0: Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: Nobody builds 5G
2: like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America.
1: And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable
2: network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a Scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize 1 in (laughs) 3.21.
3: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here to continue our discussion on uh, how to adjust the Ravens passing game to optimize it is what I'll say. Zach Blewett joining us. Uh, We did the first part. You may have listened to that if you haven't. It's probably good to listen to that one first. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks again for having me back all right happy to do it and this is a great conversation yesterday and and i thought we continue again today uh so let's talk about the wide receiver position obviously one that is the most commonly discussed on twitter perhaps after quarterback perhaps before quarterback for this team
1: right I, i think there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions out there a lot of them are pretty negative and hopefully we can straighten some of those people out and get a little bit of patience All right. Well, let's talk about the current players first, because obviously the Ravens, like a lot of teams, have had turnover
3: at the wide receiver position. Uh, They start, obviously, with third-year player Hollywood Brown now coming back for what I think is a fairly pivotal season for him.
1: I would definitely agree with that. You know, I think that he made some good strides, especially in the second half of last year. Um, You know, he put up great numbers within this scheme you know when it it was all said and done and I think that uh you know a lot of his a lot of the stats bear that out um I think that there was a couple plays that he let the ball hit the turf um I think if he cleans up a couple of those plays he becomes uh you know the the top target the explosive player that he was drafted to be
3: About a 6% drop rate, according to Pro Football Reference, uh, six drops in in 100 targets. That's approximately a 6% drop rate. Uh, Anyway, he uh, uh, certainly did a lot with the balls he caught and uh, still is not doing a ton after the catch when he's anywhere near traffic. Does that bother you at all? Uh,
1: I don't think it really bothers me that much, you know, the best of the best availability or what is it the best uh trait you can have is availability yeah Yeah. best ability is availability so you know i don't want him to take crushing hits from you know big safeties linebackers uh you know i like when he takes the step out of bounds i think it's smart um you know lamar does the same kind of thing so i i'm not too worried about that i do think um you know if he can if Lamar can get him the ball with a little bit better timing, uh, I think we could talk a little bit about how we could maximize his short area quickness and, and get him the ball in space a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's an incredible downfield threat, but I think the, the more routes that he runs, the more it opens him, opens up Hollywood for the big play. Right. One thing that, that uh, we've talked about on
3: this show a little bit in the past is that is that when there are... Decision routes, I'll call it for a safety. Brown is still the guy they follow, so if the if the safety has to make a decision to bracket Andrews on an underneath route on the top of it, or or to try and and be the second man on Brown deep, they'll almost always take Brown deep, uh, to the to oftentimes to the detriment. So, but Brown makes contributions that are outside of what you maybe see every single play. He's definitely is drawing coverage away and the Ravens offense, and I think the best thing you can say about Lamar and having to spread the ball around is the, the, the more, the larger the portion of the field you can actually threaten, the more dangerous the Ravens are everywhere on it.
1: I would 100% agree with that. And uh, I think it sort of leads into a conversation about uh, Devin DuVernay and how he can help you know, if, if the defense decides we have to take away Mark Andrews and we have to take away Hollywood Brown, Lamar needs a third outlet, somebody that can, um, you know, move the chains, can, can make plays in space. Because, like you said, if, if that safety is coming off, that means that that third player is likely in a one-on-one matchup against a defender. Um, and we need somebody that can really take advantage of that. And I think that Devin DuVernay has a lot of the skill set that, that we would look for um, in that third receiving option.
3: Kind of a weird year for DuVernay because he he had uh, 20 catches out of 26. So in terms of his his uh, rate stats and even his yards per target at 7.7 7 were not terrible. Um, he, he certainly outplayed the other choices that the Ravens had, but yet only got 34% of the snaps. And when I say the
1: other choices, I'm really talking about losing snaps to Des Bryant. Right. And I think that, you know, we saw that at the end of the year, uh, Duvernay's usage dropped a bit um, as a result of, of Des Bryant being on the field. Um, you know, I've heard you talk about it a number of times. We don't need to beat a dead horse uh, with that one. I think that the Des Bryant experiment is over and we realized that it was it, it never really worked out the way that the, the team envisioned it working out.
3: You know, I'm okay with not beating that dead horse anymore as long as we can generalize the notion that picking up 32-year-old receivers who've been out of the league or similar aging wide receivers is generally a bad thing. I'm not there yet. I mean, if you look at Twitter, <laughs> you would not you would not get that impression. Fortunately, the Ravens, you know, while they did it this last year, and and honestly, it was it was fairly puzzling. They haven't done it too much during the DaCosta era. They did it more during the new scenario with picking up players like Wallace and and um,
1: uh, Macklin and others late in their careers. Sure, and I think you know they did have some success with those types of receivers, um, but. You know i think when you're trying to we have such a young offense um, we're hoping that they can gel and grow together these young guys they need the opportunity they need to see those snaps and um, be able to play through that rookie wall in in duvernay's case Um, and so hopefully that didn't slow down their progression as receivers too much and you know i'm i'm very hopeful that they give those young receivers you know continue to give them a greater opportunity in in 2021 all right really
3: surprising to me miles boykin uh, listed as third on on your list of receivers here to discuss um, he actually played a lot more snaps uh, than duvernay did 53 percent of the snaps of 34 he lost some snaps to bryant as well uh, the guy has put up 8.4 yards per target for his career that is
1: extremely good for a ravens receiver And I think that he's done the most with the targets that he's gotten. Um, I think he's sort of a lightning rod for criticism because people see him in that number two receiving role and don't see big numbers come out of it. Um, there's been a lot of talk that he's just not on the same page with Lamar. Um, I think it's just a matter of consistency with Boykin. And that's something that could probably come from more touches, um, more targets rather. Um, You know, I I think there are some plays where he and Lamar are so in sync that, you know, Lamar throws the ball to a spot that Boykin's the only one that knows it's going to go there, and those plays are great. You know, you think back to that opening touchdown of uh, the season in Miami in 2019 with Boykin working his way back through the end zone. Um, But then there are just some of those plays where they don't seem to be on the same page with either the timing or where exactly that ball is going to show up. We had that bad interception this year that Boykin didn't really work his way back to the ball to sort of contest that interception. So, are checking the one against Tennessee in the playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I think consistency is, is the name of the game for Boykin. Um, I, I didn't put Duvernay ahead of Boykin on this list purposefully. I think that they should both be given that you know larger opportunity. All right. I mean, Boykin, obviously very important to the Ravens'
3: run game. We don't need to keep talking about that here, but uh, he plays an important secondary role. What, what I would like to see more of Boykin, and, and the there's a lot of people out there who want to who convert Boykin to be a tight end. You know, big body, could put on a little additional weight. I'd say he's fine just where he is on the outside. The problem is he just needs to exploit zone defense better. And use his body well to, to block out and find those uh, holes, maybe cross more would be what I would put in Boykin's uh, repertoire to make sure that, that those holes in the zone, which Lamar faces, you know, a disproportionate amount of the time
1: are uh, exploited. I would agree with that. And, um You know, I think that part of the reason that people want to see him move to tight end is just his size, like you mentioned. I don't think that, you know, if you really ask those people, well, what do you want him to do differently as a tight end versus a receiver? There's not a huge distinction. Um, You know, the the type of routes that he runs, um, I I think when it really comes down to it, he's just got to be more physical, uses length and height. And, um, you know, that you can use that on the outside or on the inside.
3: All right, how about James Prochet? We saw only like three targets this last year. Two of them
1: went for pick sixes against the Steelers, one in each game. I think that that particular stat is probably just an outlier, you know, um, a function of, of the routes that were being run, the player that he was replacing, and maybe defenders keying in on, on the rookie on the field, right? Um, you know, I, I just want to get him that opportunity. I really liked his college tape, I think that he has the skills to be an outside receiver, make some of those chain-moving plays um, that we look for from Duvernay, Boykin. Um, you know, I th- I, Again, I think it all just comes down to opportunity for these younger guys, and that's why I sort of shy away from wanting to sign, you know, a big name veteran or, um, you know, we'll get into what we think is missing from this passing attack. But I I do think that some of these players have those abilities. Well, when you talk about what's missing, we start with only four players that are there. I, I
3: don't know that there is another really good chance for anyone who's on the 90 man roster currently to make it. So I think the Ravens will pick up a player in the draft or they will pick up a free agent or they will do both.
1: I think ideally it's both, right? I think you want a veteran receiver presence in that room for these young guys. Um, you know, there, there is certainly, I think, at the wide wide receiver position especially, uh, that experience can really help those younger players develop. Um, and I do expect us to, to draft somebody. Um, we can, we'll get into that, but, you know, it's, it's a deep draft, a wide receiver. Um, and I think what we're really looking for is, um, well, let me say what I what I don't think we're looking for. I don't think we're looking for a guy like a Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins, somebody who's gonna who will thrive on twelve targets a game. Mm-hmm. And we're looking for somebody that uh, can fill, fill a role. Um, is a an X receiver can move the chains. Um, you know, they're, they're, we just don't have the volume in the passing attack for one of those. Um, You know, one of these guys that people, oh, trade, trade the whole draft for Julio Jones, get him in here. Well, Mm -hmm. if you you can't target him 12 times a game, which we discussed yesterday, you can't really do that within the Ravens offensive scheme right now. Um, You know, why, why would you, you know, sell your future for for this year? I completely agree with that. So if you're talking, let's,
3: let's, let's approach this maybe from a slightly different angle. The, the Ravens at running back, one of the things that I really have appreciated the last few years is how they've done so well always having the stylistic fit that they need without having, before Dobbins anyway, a, a truly great running back. Who, was, who could do everything or who could do a lot of things at a very exceptional level. You know, they've had, they've had guys that have been great working parts. Gus Edwards is outstanding power back who has a little bit of slipperiness in his game, and that's, that's, you know, that's a positive. But he's, it's not like he's one of the top five backs in the league or the top 15 backs in the league, probably in terms of just plain skill. How can they use a similar philosophy to find stylistic fits at
1: wide receiver? I think running back by committee is a term that everybody's familiar with and, and sort of accepts in today's modern NFL as sort of acceptable, you know, as, as ideal in many ways. And I think that to your point, that same principle should be and can be and should be applied to the wide receiver position for the Ravens. You want players to fill specific roles within this offense. Um, we already have some of those pieces, and um, I think that, you know, we're trying to improve the passing game as a whole. We're not trying to get a wide receiver that's going to solve all the problems of this offense. It's not a one-player solution. So, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go on. I, I, if, if you had a,
3: a, a stylistic element that's decide, decidedly missing from the wide receivers in the current Ravens offense that you think is important
1: to maximize, optimize the Ravens offense, what would it be? I think it's that third down guy that can move the chains on third and six, third and eight. Um, just the other day, I was watching Anquan Bolden uh, Super Bowl run highlights and thinking, man, mm-hmm. that is a guy that he just got the job done on those on the toughest downs. Made himself available uh, to uh, to Flacco, and I think that if we could get somebody like that, a possession receiver, um, you know, not looking to get. 12, 15 targets a game, probably six to eight, super efficient, um, can be that third option behind Mark Andrews and Hollywood. That's really what I would like to see the Ravens go after. Um, and I think that the ideal approach to that this year uh, is the draft.
3: You know, it's a shame because Willie Sneed embodied a lot of that, along with some of the toughness the Ravens liked in the run game of being that third down, fine space guy. And uh, you know, I think you can go a couple different ways on this. You're really mentioning Bolden as use of the body, which is at another level. I mean, Bolden is a Hall of Fame use of body and strength player who would not let the ball be pried free from his hands easily. And you you mentioned the the, the playoffs, the third and one pass in the Super Bowl, which kept the Ravens drive going, where they went back up by six, I think, at the time. Um, That was just a, a remarkable such play. And, uh, and you really, um, you, it's, it's hard to find that guy. So I'm not expecting them to do it. What I do want them to do is have another receiver who basically can, can get between level two and level three and use the fact that the linebackers are biting on whatever Lamar is doing to make space for himself in zone
1: yeah i definitely think that that's part of it um you know if if you're dedicating yourself to this scheme you're running the ball a lot you're trying to suck those linebackers down you're trying to get safeties to bite Being able to really work that, um, you know, and I think the the Ravens do a good job of of manipulating uh, between the hashes, right? Uh, Getting Mark Andrews open Mm -hmm. in that kind of between level two and level three space. What they're not great at right now, uh, or at least in 2020, was getting the ball outside the numbers at that level. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, that can
3: be tough. I mean, one of Lamar's, Lamar changes the way the passing game works because of his mobility within the pocket and the additional time to throw he generates. So one of the other you know, stylistic fits, and I'm not really sure if this is a stylistic fit as much as an intuition fit or maybe it's an ability to read defenses or an ability to know where space exists, is a guy who can work well on an extended play. And the Ravens for years with Flacco didn't have receivers who were any good at that honestly they they had they had guys who basically started to give up on the play they said well I ran my seven route or whatever i you know I'm, I'm there's nothing more for me to do we well, you, you know you need a Shannon sharp you need someone who's going to come back to the ball and find that space for for Lamar to make a play when he's otherwise out of options I think Andrews does a pretty good job with it I just think the Ravens could use another receiver who would do it as well
1: I would agree with that I think uh, Hollywood definitely improved in that last year uh, I mean we yeah. saw that uh, you know Cleveland uh, clinching that Browns game, right? Um, So, I I would definitely agree with that. I think that sort of being able to work yourself back into a play when you've run a route that has not developed for whatever reason when you know the the line broke down the mars scrambling um you know it is a skill to be able to work yourself back into that play and having that at wide receiver um just because of the depth they get on the field is much more important than having that at running back or tight end where it's probably going to be a shorter throw there's going to be more traffic in that area on a broken down play like that All mm-hmm.
3: all right um so let's talk about the the potential options here because the ravens still have free agency to go and they have the draft we'll go in the order you like because i'd like to know if you think they might still make a pre-draft move for a wide receiver
1: i think they definitely will um but what I think they are being most careful about is protecting those compensatory picks. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the thing that most people forget on Twitter is, you know, they're they're trying to So so first of all, we're past the first wave, right? There's no real sense of urgency with the guys that are left. They want to play it. um, They want to let this market develop. They want those players to sort of say, okay, maybe I'm not going to be valued as high as I thought I would, especially in this COVID cap year. And, you know, bring those deals down. Um, But like I said, it's it's really about those compensatory picks. We don't want to sign somebody that's going to negate one of those because they're going to be so valuable once lamar signs this mega contract whether that's mm-hmm. this year or next year um and we've got those 2018 uh draft picks all come mm-hmm. and do at the same time so having mid-round draft picks whether it's a third or fourth uh, for judon and ngakwe having those draft picks is going to be really crucial to continue to develop the team beyond 2021 absolutely
3: agree and uh, uh, people say you know what are we going to do with 11 draft picks well you know that's what they said in 2018 I believe and we might have even had 12 but the answer is get 9 starters (laughs) <laughs> and, you, know, you, 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 uh, you, you really can never have too many draft picks. And the Ravens did lose a couple of players from that group. I mean, they lost Sealer because they just did not have room for him on the 53. But uh, honestly, you, you can't go wrong drafting that well with the additional picks even. Um, and, and the Ravens will always be able to find ways to save money. I believe, if they continue to draft as well as they have, meaning, you know, you draft an extra defensive lineman, all of a sudden, Brandon Williams or Calais Campbell or Derek Wolfe, maybe
1: on the back end of his new deal, uh, suddenly becomes expendable. Absolutely. Uh, and then you sort of compound that with how the wide receiver market shaped up in this free agency. Um, you know, a lot of people are seeing some of these mid-range deals, um, somebody like, you um, I believe it was Golden Tate, went to the Jaguars. People looked at that deal and said, well, why weren't the Ravens really in on that? Well, they probably just didn't view that player as somebody that would fit what they wanted to do, or it wasn't right player, right price. Or they right. would have had to, I can't remember if... if um, if Tate was was cut or if he was an unrestricted free agent. But, you know, all these factors play into it and everybody that's just pounding the table to sign somebody, get somebody in here, um, they're not considering these other factors. They're just thinking about, like, what that roster is going to look like at the end of it. Yeah.
3: One One of the things,
1: you know, that turns me off in the
3: conversation basically i know that i'm i'm not going to have a reasonable conversation with this person is anybody says screw competitive story we gotta win now <laughs> i mean look i i, I can be okay with, we got to win now, and it's worth giving up a compensatory pick with a valid amount of thought about this. But screw compensatory picks, I'm not talking to you. I'm just, well, those, I'm, I'm not
1: doing it. And those are the same people that, that tell you, well, we got to move up to number 10 to draft Kyle Pitts this year, or, uh-huh. you know, or Jalen how, how do you do that? <laughs> how do you do that? Well, <laughs> yeah. you have more draft capital to make that kind yeah. of move, and you, you can't have both. Yeah, I mean, it's it's,
3: it's definitely true. It, 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 additional draft picks are the currency of draft day trades if you want to move around on the draft pick the draft board you need to have additional picks if you want to move down having those additional picks has value but uh, boy people who don't realize that is you just you're missing out on a fundamental building block of the Ravens organization is is how they deal with these compensatory picks how they treat the draft in general I'm going to make one more point about the draft before we move on here is that the jj chart is useful because i think most nfl trades are still made in terms of the jj point jj point values in fact we were doing a draft show last year it was day two and you can you can basically predict exactly what the trade is as soon as you hear a a team has traded a pick with another team. Well, they're gonna—it's gonna be their second, which is 10 picks later, and they're also gonna have to throw in a third for that uh, to, to get. You, you know right away exactly what it's gonna be, but they, but the uh, uh, the Ravens, I think underlying what they do have a flatter valuation of those draft picks, meaning they think a third or fourth round pick is worth more than the JJ chart thinks a third or fourth, maybe even a fifth round pick is worth. And so when they're making an even trade in terms of points, they consider themselves as winning that trade. And that's why they trade down much more than they trade up.
1: Well, and I think that their success, their successful draft history Mm -hmm bears that out right i mean they, they have taken i mean think about all the great offensive linemen that we've taken in those middle rounds and have turned into starters mm-hmm. and then you know those those starters have turned into more compensatory picks in that same area so it's it's almost a you know four-year rental on a lot of these players if you can draft a guy in the fifth round turn him into a starter and then get a fourth fifth sixth round compensatory pick for him uh, after his four-year contract is up. I mean, that, that's the value that they're really looking for, and that's why I think that it's been so consistent with the Ravens. It's every year they're trying to get these compensatory picks. It's an organizational philosophy. It's not trying to capitalize year-to-year on the possibility of getting compensatory picks. Right. It's a, and, you know, we know this.
3: Teams that draft well, they have to make heartbreaking.
2: Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day, there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day, grab and go. Every day, giftable. Every day, fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21.
0: Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone.
3: Decisions about their homegrown talent means, Mm -hmm. you know, Rick Wagner and and Zadarius Smith and all these all these players who you liked. Matt Judon is in the same category now, even though they, they franchised him once. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, who's a Baltimore boy, you could call him in the same category, even though the Ravens traded for him. But you have to let a lot of players go because the salary cap does not allow you to, to keep all of them. And I, I, all I can say is it's a hell of a lot better position to be in when you're in the Ravens space of – Oh no, what player are we going to have to let go? As opposed to you're in some other lousy drafting team space and saying, crap, we got four holes to fill with free agency, and that's going to be a whole lot more expensive to do.
1: Well, and, you know, we saw the enormous drop off of the cap this year. Mm-hmm. If it had gone to where it was projected to go, I think it was over 200 million, uh, 205, somewhere around there. So if we have that 20 million more this year to play with, I think Judon is still here, right? So they franchised him knowing sort of when, you know, looking at the cap projections uh, and, you know, it just didn't work out because of COVID and every team's fighting that, right? It's obviously not just the Mm -hmm. Ravens, but, you know, I think that Eric DaCosta, when he um, took over for Ozzie Newsome, came in and he said, we're keeping our core players. And he's done that. He's signed so many players, um, you know, we get into this free agency uh, time period, the offseason, everybody forgets about the extensions that were given during the off season. They don't count for, you know, mm-hmm. for, you know, building your team in the offseason. Um, but, you know, I, I just think it, it could have been very different had we not had the COVID cap situation. Yep, completely agree.
3: And uh, a signing of your own player, signing Tyus Bowser, that's not an important signing. A couple of years ago, it was signing Nick Boyle and the Ravens had a press conference about it. And they're like, why are they having a press conference for resigning Nick Boyle? Well, now we know, <laughs> you know <Yeah>. from 2019 <laughs> and 20 exactly why. Uh,
1: one more point about, about the, the COVID cap number. And, and, you know, I think that this directly relates to this situation with T.Y. Hilton, um, that a lot of the media is sort of. Uh, portraying this as well he spurned the ravens took less money to go to the colts and that's ludicrous for a number of reasons um, <laughs> you know the length of the deal the guaranteed money all those things play into it but there's sort of this narrative developing that you know receivers don't want to either either don't want to come play for the ravens or the ravens don't have enough money to sign these players and everybody's just sort of ignoring the third option of, the Ravens are, are playing the patient game. They're, they're working free agency in a way that works within their team-building philosophy. And, uh, you know, it's not such a black-and-white decision when it comes to signing or not signing these players. Right. I, and I, I, I
3: it, that is completely missed. Um, but people who are who are writing about that, uh, first of all, they, they, they want to get people to read their stuff. So that's fine. A lot of people want to hear about wide receivers. Gets Go ahead and write about <laughs> how T.Y. Hilton yep. didn't come to Baltimore. But, uh, you know, the other part of it is just, boy, uh, what is it about T.Y. Hilton that is so much different from all the other 32-year-old guys that we've signed in the past <laughs> decade here? I mean, I just – I. I don't get it, but the other the other part of it is that while a player like John Brown, who was younger and faster, and still had something certainly left in the tank when the Ravens signed him, he just didn't fit with with uh, Lamar once he took over in twenty eighteen. There, there was there was no chemistry there. He got thirty targets
1: and he got eight catches, I think, in the down the stretch. And you know, I think that that's another thing about the cap this year is players don't want a short term contract to see mm-hmm. if they're a good fit within a within a. team right right now because you know they want to uh they want to be able to capitalize uh at you know their highest point of earnings in their Mm -hmm. career obviously um but they you know it's just especially in ty hilton's case i mean i I could talk about the ty hilton thing all day i'm not sure why to your point i'm not sure why they were even in on on that type of player i don't think that that is what is missing from their current game right um, but it is what yeah. it is
3: <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, you know valid point players at any point they, they want two things out of their contract they want to get a contract when it's time for them to be available for free agency or before so they either want to do what Orlando Brown is trying to do to try and get a long term contract a, a year earlier either from the Ravens or from somebody else uh, or they, 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 when, they, when they do get to free agency, they certainly don't want to be franchised because of the risk to uh, the long-term money. And then they want to get a multi-year deal with the highest possible signing bonus. And the upfront money is what really matters. It's that signing bonus because that can never be taken away. After that, every, every uh, you know, contractual option that they have it can be taken away. Um, now, there are positives in addition about having additional signing bonus and, and more guaranteed money is that it makes it difficult for a team to take away your base salary two years down the road even in a five-year deal, say. So, right. there, there are you know there are a lot of a lot of things that players are looking for, but they want to be signed on schedule or early, and they want to get the maximum signing bonuses. Those are the two most critical factors. Absolutely. All right. So let's get back to the Ravens wide receivers here, because this this we've got. Talked about free agency a little bit. I actually think I'm going to take the the other side of this argument for the show here. That the the Ravens are probably more likely than not at this point to wait till after May 3rd to make a free agency thing, which means uh, to make a free agency signing. Which means I think they'll wait till after the draft. Uh, which means they're going to know, you know, to to a greater degree of certainty what their needs are at that point. And I don't think you know you hit on the urgency of the players remaining in the free agency pool. I just don't think there's anybody from the team's perspective that is good enough to go out and snag maybe one exception would be willie sneed if they get him back here on a really inexpensive deal i would i'd be all for that but but there's not a there's not a guy that i just like so much at at what is likely to be current pricing that i don't say let's wait till after the draft after the compensatory period not not lose even a seventh round pick over this
1: yeah, I think the only the only scenario that they they want to sign a guy before the draft, uh, really two reasons. One, you want to be able to go into the draft not feeling an enormous need in any mm-hmm. position. I don't think that the Ravens front, offense, uh, front office, office really feels that extreme need for the wide receiver um, as it is. Uh, and then the other thing is if they are already a player that's not going to count against that compensatory formula. Mm-hmm. I think that that is sort of the combination of scenarios where they do sign somebody before the draft if it's not going to affect the compensatory pick and if it's somebody um, that, like you said, they can, they can get on that low contract. Um, you know, I, I love Willie Sneed. I, I think that, that would be, you know, good depth for the team. I would like to see somebody sort of take a stronger role than sort of, you know, what Willie has done over the last couple of years. Okay. Well, fair enough. So, in terms of
3: let's let's assume now that the draft is the first shot. Who are the guys you like in the draft?
1: There are a couple um, in both the early rounds and the late rounds. Um, I think personally, I would prefer that we go for somebody in the fourth round or later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm going to get railed on Twitter for that. That's fine. I'm willing to I'm willing to you know have a conversation with everybody about it. But what I what the reason that I think that is because the guys that I see as the ideal fit for the Ravens, that sort of possession receiver, X receiver, I see those guys being valued a little bit later in the draft. Um, not to mention that this is according to the experts, maybe the most the, the deepest draft at wide receiver maybe ever. You know, and and that's something, especially coming off of last year. Mm-hmm. So I would personally, there's a there's a handful of guys um, that I really like. Um, Josh Palmer from Tennessee. He was at the Senior Bowl. Man, go find the YouTube video of his one-on-one reps at the Senior Bowl. He does some good things. Um, I really like that player. Jonathan Adams Jr. from Arkansas State. He, I just watched a highlight video of him this morning uh he he's got some Anquan bolden in his game and and he's playing with some fire um you know uh josh matter from illinois just literally jumped out of the gym the other day i don't know if you saw this video but his vertical jump um was a new record um if it would have been at the uh the combine it would have been a new record in vertical jump well do you know what the um, number was so i was shocked at I, who had I, the I, record previously <laughs> who was that
3: justin bethel of all people who was with the ravens for really? a special team signing j- jumped 60 yeah. inches vertical and then he was beaten out by another guy who jumped 63 so i was wondering mm. what the record was here if it, it obviously it had to be 63 inches i
1: guess uh, it, maybe it was wide receiver vertical uh set okay. the record I'm, I'm not sure exactly but i mean it's an impressive jump um Those three guys, I think, will be available between the fourth and seventh round. Um, Tylan Wallace and Sage Surratt are two other guys that I I really like. I think they sort of fit that mold. Um, So for that reason, I think a later round draft pick, because of the fit, I think that that's just the type of player that we're looking for. Not to say that there aren't some guys that I think will be available for us to take in the first through third rounds. Uh, There will be. Um, I just don't know if they're guys that the Ravens are going to feel really fit their needs. Um, I, I so think this, is, this isn't a
3: 3-1 cut on a wide receiver necessarily. Again, you don't see the, the Ravens necessarily taking a wide receiver in, in round one. Uh,
1: if you had to put a percentage on it, what would you say? Oh, man. Uh, taking a receiver in round one, I want to say 20%. I was going to say twenty-five. So that's uh, that's yeah. good. We're we're right there. Uh, um, and and I think that one of the main reasons for that is there are there are pretty clearly three elite, real first-round wide receiver options in uh, Chase, uh, Waddle and Smith. Uh, you could throw Kyle Pitts in there too for sure. Right. Those we guys are all going to gonna be on. Yeah, they're never gonna fall to us. And so the the couple guys that you're looking at at the tail end of round one, beginning of round two, Terrace Marshall, Rondale Moore, Kadarius Tony, couple more guys. You know, I, I I think those are great players. I think if one of them, if one of those guys falls to our second round pick, man, snap them up. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that, uh, you know, and you know, in in the handful of mock drafts that I've done, I've just always sort of liked the outcome it's such a deep draft and wide receiver and it's so, and there you just don't have that depth with other positions that the Ravens really need to really need to go after like tackle, uh, an edge rusher, um, you know, maybe even safety, you know, there are more guys at, you know, that if we can take those guys early, I think that the the player with the, the wide receiver with the right fit will still be available to us in the mid to late rounds. Okay, I agree with that philosophically
3: entirely. I want to address one other thing that people will say, because I hear a lot of people saying, just go trade up for Kyle Pitts and, and get him. Um, the Ravens really cannot do that. If, 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 if he were to go 10th overall in this draft, uh, the amount of draft capital required would be more than what the Ravens had if they traded every single pick. So it doesn't. Even though the Ravens have their first-round pick, I know they have a second and they have a third. And they they have, they have draft capital that is 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 still lower in the league because every a lot of other teams' first-round pick is worth more than the Ravens' entire draft, given how successful they've been, obviously in making the playoffs last year. Um, it's it's just it, it, there are times you just have to accept you can't have a player, and I think the Ravens have proven. Uh, fairly regularly in fa- Frank every draft since 2003 that they won't trade next year's number one pretty much ever
1: yeah I, I think the closest we ever got to that was trading the second rounder for to trade back up for Lamar right mm-hmm. um, and that is an organizational shift to say this is our future guy um, I love Kyle Pitts I think that uh, if if we didn't have an NFL draft and players could, and teams could just sign players when they came out, if we could recruit, I think Kyle Pitts is coming to Baltimore, man. Cause that would be electric within this offense. Um, he is such an exciting player, um, but there's, there's no way. He's, he's not fallen far enough for us to get him, uh, even to trade up into the 15, 16 range. He'll never make it that far. And we just, we can't mortgage our future uh, those future draft picks or even draft picks this year to go get a guy like that because we have these contracts coming and Lamar's big contract coming. We need players that are going to be playing on their rookie deals.
3: Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, the number 13 pick, the one that has been rumored to be traded to the Ravens in exchange for Orlando Brown, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that, first of all, that's not happening because it's too it's too much for Orlando Brown. But if it were the right amount and if they could somehow get it, um, even that, you know, you'd have to throw in a lot of additional draft capital uh, to move up to get Pitts in all likelihood.
1: Right. I, I, I don't see the Chargers making that move either. Uh, I think it would take a team that is sort of in, you know, what we mentioned earlier, that sort of Drew Brees last mm-hmm. gasp, uh, you know, that sort of situation to take a take a shot on a, on a player like Orlando. I I think so much of the draft hinges so much of the Ravens draft hinges on what happens Um with Zeus Jr. Um, it's just so hard to, to really look at the draft without thinking about that first.
3: Okay. So we've, we've talked a little bit about the draft. We talked a little bit about free agency for stylistic fits, but, but tell us in terms of how you would change what's going on with the passing game, particularly at the wide receiver position, you know,
1: what would be your ideal improvements? I think we go and we get that veteran receiver, whether it's, um, you know, just after the draft or, or just before in a couple scenarios. Uh, and I think that we get a mid to late rounder that can contribute immediately um, and then really develop into that sort of Anquan Bolden level player. Um, we might even have the opportunity to take two of those type of guys, you know, two mid to late rounds and, and just sort of let them duke it out really, you know, the coaches talk all the time about competition, let's let these guys duke it out for these targets. Um, and and really, I just I would much rather see the Ravens continue to foster the youth movement on the offense, especially in in the wide receiver room, and get these young players real opportunities. Uh, not bring in an aging uh, you know a, an aging vet like a Des Bryant or somebody to take away their their targets, their snaps. Um, I, I, and you know that that's as far as building out the room. Um, I think as far as the actual scheme, I think I'd love to see some more quick hitters. I'd love to see Hollywood get some more shots to just get, uh, you know, do some sweeps, some slants, get him the ball in space and let him, you know, make some of those big plays. Um, And yeah, I I really just think it comes down to efficiency uh, in in the passing game. Get guys that have great hands. Um, You know, we've, we, have we we did that last year we, we picked duvernay and proche guys that were very specifically known for never dropping the ball uh and yeah i just really think it comes down to efficiency and opportunity all right uh, certainly lots of lots of things to be
3: fit there I'll, I'll go back to the the one thing i want i want i want a big body who can uh cross the middle of the field fearlessly and use Uh, his body well to shield the football and and make some catches, knows how to make one hard cut, stick his foot in the ground and get free and hopefully can develop some of that chemistry with Jackson but also, you know, if I I want another wide receiver, I want a crafty wide receiver who can uh, get away quickly at the end of an extended play and make space that's not directly on that right sideline where Lamar is most likely to be rolled out to. So those would be the two characteristics I would want in a you know,
1: wide receiver they get, whether it's free agency or, or in the draft. And I think there are guys that are available through both of those avenues that can, that can fit those roles that we just talked about. Yeah.
3: All right. So when we're talking about the Ravens offense uh, and, you know, does it really need to be changed is one of the things that comes up. And I know that was the the topic of the first episode a little bit, but I want to go back to it a little bit, because this is obviously one of the highest scoring and most efficient offenses in the entire National Football League. And people somehow lose sight of that because, oh, my God, you're never going to beat the Chiefs if if you don't (laughs) get a wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I think that that's just a really narrow approach. I think that people, I, I think it's it, it's a great piece of clickbait to be able to talk negatively about Lamar right now. Um, and that's just sort of the reality that we, we live in with the, with the NFL media machine and always needing to have something to say. Um, especially this time of year you know it's definitely exacerbated by it being the off season and uh there not being a whole lot going on now that we've gotten through that wave of first wave of free agency um yeah i don't think that we need to change a lot i think it's just again it's more about efficiency um you know we saw a really really efficient balanced attack in 2019 and we were number one in the league um we dropped off a little bit on that last year um but we were still i think top 10 i think we're maybe number seven uh overall offense so this idea that we need to have some sort of huge makeover is absurd to me you know you you don't see anybody saying that about any other team with this amount of success right i i agree i mean the 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 all, all teams' fans
3: are hungry to get that one additional skill position. Um, I, I go back to one other thing from the draft because I really wanted to make this point. I do think the Ravens have a couple of positions that are, that are kind of underrated in terms of what they might go after that might actually compete with a wide receiver pick. And the first is on the defensive line where that defensive line just has to get younger. They got mad at PK last year. That's very fortunate because they don't have anybody else who's young at all and they really need to get another young player there, which probably means you need to invest significant first three rounds draft capital in that position to find that player. At least I think that's a that's a, a pretty good possibility. The other is the running back position. The Ravens have been very good at picking up these players who are stylistic fits, and maybe they can do it again, but I think they might invest another draft pick. Uh, you know, we're d- probably not in the first two rounds, but it wouldn't shock me if, if there was a guy they really liked from a value perspective, they'd take him in round three. Um, who, would, who would fit their needs. Because Dobbins will be a one-man show, uh, you know, possibly in a year. Justice Hill will be at the end of his first-year deal, so you're not going to be depending on him. Uh, very possible and, and, frankly, probably a very reasonable avenue to take to say Gus Edwards will be gone because Gus was going to want a, you know, a, a decent long-term contract starting next year. And I, I don't think the Ravens would be wise to do it necessarily.
1: I can see that happening for sure. Um, I think we talked a little bit yesterday about how, you know, teams need to decide where they want to take a haircut, mm-hmm. right? You can't you can't have all these players. And I don't see the Ravens carrying four running backs plus Ricard on their roster again. So I would be a little more hesitant. I think uh, to to take that that draft pick. Um, just because then you really feel the pressure to, to carry all four of those guys. Or, um, or, or you realize
3: that Hill's option value is reduced and you can't yeah. justify him as a kick coverage guy.
1: Where Whoa, that, that, would be tough. Contribution is that would be tough. That would be tough because he was, especially second half of last year, he was really coming on as a gunner. He made some yeah. great plays.
3: Yeah, I, I look. I love the. I love him as a gunner. I really love him as a special teams player. But the problem is, and this has come up with other players too, is that it's kick coverage is not important enough in today's NFL mm-hmm. game. It's just, right. it's, it's, it's not that that, that big a role. So you have to do something else. There really isn't room for Jordan Richards to just be Jordan Richards' special teams coverage. He has to be able to fill some defensive need or, or give you the umbrella to fill a defensive need at a substandard but above replacement level level. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, anyway, a pleasure having you on. This is another great conversation, but we could go on for a long time on this, I'm sure. Uh, Zach, first of all, tell people where they can find you on Twitter, because I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show.
1: You can get me at Raven Ravens, R-A-V-I-N Ravens on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great chatting with you. I hope we get to do it again sometime soon. You have an open invitation, as
3: as do other people who are passionate about their ideas, able to express them well. Uh, please send me an email, uh, filmstudy21 at verizon.net, or you can just hit me up on Twitter. Let's we'll say, hey, I'd like to do a show about this. Uh, Zach contacted me yesterday. We've already done two, a two-part series on this exact <laughs> topic. And, and uh, you know, really great content. And I'd love to hear from more of you folks out there. And uh, uh, please don't be don't be shy about contacting lots of material up there on the website uh give the videos a chance there's a great one out there from michael crawford and josh mistyko showing their study of the ravens run game you're nodding your head did you watch it
1: i did yeah great okay. great material
3: yeah uh, give give that a chance guys because it's it's really worth it josh put together a tool for uh, looking at the Ravens' run plays in various ways that allows you to control uh, what plays are excluded or included. It's very, very interesting. And Michael Crawford's commentary is, of course, always very insightful. Uh, but anyway, thanks again for being on the show, Zach. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you next time on Filmstuck. <laughs>
2: Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21